Welcome to the Cornerstone Vineyard Weekly Message Podcast. We are enthusiastic about all ages pursuing, experiencing, and having an authentic relationship with Jesus, others, and our community. Join us as we open God's Word and seek His direction in our lives. And to get us started, I want to start by sharing something with you this morning. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but do, in, do you all know that it is estimated, I actually looked it up this week, it is estimated that the average adult, it'll come up on the screen, makes about, look at this, 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. 35,000. Now I'm thinking some of you moms out there going, yeah, try to be a mom. It's, it's like double that, right? right? Those kind of things. And so I looked it up this week and I figured that it would be high, but I was kind of shocked. I was like, 35,000, that's, that's a lot. And I love that it's like remotely conscious decisions, right? Like and you may not make you know, completely conscious decisions all the time. Um, and, and so I was thinking about those 35,000, uh, you know, uh, decisions. And I was thinking about the fact that we all know this, right? We all know that uh, it is impossible in a given day that all 35,000 of those decisions are going to be good, right? I mean, it's, it's probably not likely that all 35,000 are going to be good. Uh, I mean, I know I'm at least, uh, I'm, I'm bound to at least make one bad decision in a day. Ask my wife, she'll probably be able to point that one out to you, right? Actually, I was thinking this week that, uh, not this last week, but the week before last, I had a couple of days that I felt like as I was going throughout the week, I was thinking, man, I don't think I can make any good decisions. I was just making decisions after decisions that were just seemed to be wrong and wrong and wrong. Um, one example was that was that Friday. Uh, I was actually over at the building. I was trying to get some things done and I had a Zoom call. So I got on the Zoom call and uh, after the Zoom call, I, I was kind of hoping before the Zoom call, I would have gotten some more things done. And, and so after the Zoom call, I kind of got a little bit of a fire underneath me and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get some stuff done at this building. And so I just went after it. And I, I went after getting my list done. And so the problem, that decision was fine, uh, but except for the fact that I didn't quite share that decision with my wife. And her family was in town. And so she was expecting me after the Zoom call to pack all my stuff up and go and hang out with the family. And so, uh, so my wife is pretty, um, pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> But my, she's pretty understanding most of the time. Uh, but how many of you know that me not sharing the decision that I was going to stay and do that was not really a good decision, right? We ended up and then having to have a conversation. We got things. We're, not, we're, we're good, right? You love me still? Okay, good. Um, so, I mean, the reality was it wasn't like, it, not so much the decision to stay and get things done at the building, but the decision that was wrong was that I didn't share that with Leah, who had expectations that, I did, that, that really that I even agreed to those expectations earlier in the week. And so we are all, folks, we are all, you and me, uh, are all bound to make some bad decisions every now and then, probably at least one or two every single day. Now, they may be simple decisions. I was made a list this week. You know, that might be like skipping breakfast to sleep in a, a little bit longer. And then you're not even like halfway to lunchtime and you're super hungry. Or maybe uh, on your way out the door, you said something to your spouse. Or when you got into the office, the very minute you walked into the office, you got into a conversation with your boss and you said something uh, that really wasn't so great. And so now it's going to make the whole day weird. Or I was actually also thinking some of those are more simple, like stuff kind of happens every day kind of decisions. But sometimes we make decisions that are a little bit more consequential decisions, right? They have deeper consequences. Uh, I was thinking like sometimes maybe you impulsively sign the loan for the car when you're not quite sure you can actually afford it. 
Or, uh, you know, we're in the age of the internet now, and so maybe there was something that you stumbled upon on the internet that wasn't so great. You made a decision to go to a website. Or maybe you decided to have one more drink when you were already a little bit tipsy. See, we're bound to make some decisions, whether those uh, bad decisions, whether sometimes those are simple decisions or sometimes those are serious decisions. What we're going to talk about today, folks, we're going to talk about the value of good decision-making today and the importance of more often, and I don't know about you, but this is what I want to more often getting those 35,000 daily decisions right. I think you probably want that. I want that in my life. I want to get more. I would love for a day, even a day to say, hey, all 35,000 were good. And actually, this is something that God desires for us and wants to help us in a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then on our list, and lean not on your own understanding, not on your power to make decisions or my power to make decisions, but in all your ways submit to him, God, and he will make your path straight. So he will show us how to be better when we lean into saying, okay, God, what is the right decision? Give me the right ones instead of the wrong ones. Isaiah 30, 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I actually love this verse because I think it, it, it speaks about the power of the spirit of God, folks, who, who if you said yes to Jesus, he lives inside of you, lives inside of me, and he can actually tell us what decisions are right. But the key is we have to let him, we need to ask him, we need to be willing to include him in the decision-making process. And so where we're headed today is we're going to talk about, again, about the value and importance of good decision-making. Uh, and to do so, we're going to look at a story of a guy who didn't do that well at all. He is kind of the anti antithesis of where we want to go. It seemed like every decision, he kind of had a Matt Porman last couple weeks kind of thing, right? Like every decision he made just seemed to be the wrong one. And ultimately, we're going to try to then learn from his mistakes this morning. Okay, so I want you to hold that thought. We are currently in a series called Moral of the Story, exploring the life-changing parables of Jesus. And what we've been doing in this series, each week we've been looking at one of the, most, uh, one of the incredible stories uh, that Jesus told. The Bible calls them parables uh, while he walked the earth and kind of get the idea of like, what was he trying to get at in the midst of this? Uh, what's the moral of the story, if you will? How does this apply to our lives today? Um, and, uh, and so today we're gonna look at a story that's about a young man whose pattern of decision-making led him down a pretty negative path, okay? And it's the story of, and some of you will be very familiar with the story, it's actually the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son. Now, most of the time when this parable is used, the, the, the grandest moral of this story is kind of the idea that God is super gracious to us. He's a, a great heavenly father. And when we screw up and we, and we mess up, he's still there to uh, hold us with open arms. And that is a significant moral of this story. But what I love about these parables is sometimes if you look really deep in the story, you can see even multiple layers of morals of stories in these. And I think there's multiple morals in the story. I, I would tell you at some point, go and do a study on the, uh, the older brother in this story. Uh, there's a significant moral there. We're not going to get into that today. Uh, but but there's so many of these morals of story. And so this story today, uh, I think will give us, we're going to look through the lens of the pattern of the decisions that the younger brother made in this story and hopefully see what we can learn from that. And so let's take a look at it. We're going to be Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, again, he was telling you stories, right? Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. 
The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the proper, his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got all together he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and I have star I'm starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And this is where generally then the moral of the story comes in. He said, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so our title and moral of the story we're going to explore today is what I'm calling ripple effect. Essentially, we're going to look at the ripple effects of our decisions and ultimately learn some lessons from this young man and, and his journey through this story uh, so we ultimately can minimize the ripples in our lives and folks that they won't become waves. And I think, like me, you would rather have your life with less ripples and less waves. And so that's where we're headed today. But before we jump in, I want to pause and pray. So if you would pray with me, and then if you give you a couple things to think about. All right, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, again just at, thank you for <laughs> just being with us today, allowing us to, to be uh, one last time with Shepherd's Heart, uh, allowing us to bless our kids as they head off into school. Um, and our teachers and administrators. But God, we also thank you for an opportunity to be together and to have a conversation into this text today. God, we pray that as we look deep into it, that you would make our hearts, our souls, our minds sticky and supernatural things would stick to us, that we would be more like Jesus as a result of our time together. That there would be a supernatural uh, experience and encounter that would happen in the next few minutes. God, if I just talk for a while, I'm not sure it's going to be all that useful, but if you show up and you do something supernatural among us, uh, this would be well worth it. So speak to us, teach us, we pray. And pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to have one point today, but it's going to have three different parts, okay? So if you want to take some notes, you can take this down. So here's your one point today. Lessening life's ripples takes, and then the point is regularly pondering before we proceed regularly pondering before we proceed. Again, that, that's kind of the better, maybe a better way to say this. Truly think before we act, right? Be intentional about making decisions, which is something, again, I told you we're gonna go to the ant antithesis, right, of what we're trying to get at today. It's really something that we don't see at all besides at one point at the end of the story from the prodigal son. And so before we jump into that too deep and kind of look at uh, some of those decisions specifically, I want to share a quote with you that I found this week, uh, and I thought it was really good. And the quote is this. It says this. It says, regret is unnecessary. Think before you act. Simple quote, but man, a lot of depth in there. Regret is unnecessary. Think before you act. Because truly, right, regret is unnecessary, isn't it? 
I mean, it wasn't necessary for the prodigal son. He didn't have to go to the place of of being with the pigs and and regretting what he did in life and and then have to go back and figure out how to navigate this thing. He didn't have to be there. It wasn't necessary. And folks, like the prodigal son, it's not necessary for you and me either. What I love about this is like the, the fact that it kind of gives me hope in the fact that maybe we can live life without regret. And in fact, if we could live life without regret, man, I'm all in, right? Sign me up for that. Which that then leads me then to uh, the, back to the prodigal son, all right? And ultimately, what would he have had to do to be there? to live without regret, okay? And so there's a couple things you can write down, right? Something he could have done differently to make better decisions. First one of this, and something we need to do as well, is figure out what we can give rather than get. Figure out what we can give rather than get. Uh, Back in the text, I noticed this in in, uh, verse 12. It says, the younger one, again, talking about the son, said to his father, father, and then under this, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And so I noticed pretty quickly, right out of the shoot, within the first two verses, right? This is the first verse is verse 11. This is the second verse of this parable. Within two verses, this guy literally is all about him, right? All about himself, what he wants, what he gets. He, Give me my share, dad, is what he says. Which, by the way, if I can be really real with you, was the kind of the start of the downward spiral for him, Right? And you've probably heard this before, but uh, for him to say to his father, uh, who was still alive, dad, give me my share of the state, was basically like, dad, you're dead to me. Good riddance. So this was not just like, oh, this is just a pay it forward. No, no, like this was a, this was a big relational deal that he was gonna say, dad, you're dead to me. Give me what I'm supposed to be getting. And so even for us, if you think of, you put it into our context in 2020, that would be weird to say to your parent right now. And then, but if you take it back to biblical times, right, this would have been one of the most um, disastrous, significantly hurtful things that the son could have said to his dad. This young man was focused on what he could get rather than what he could give. And then if you, again, look at the younger brother or the older, the older brother in the story, the older brother, um, even though he had some issues in himself as well, he kind of did the complete opposite. And so before we start pointing uh, uh, too many fingers at the, the younger brother in this story, can I just be really real? with? I'm gonna get real with you this morning, right? The, the reality is, folks, can we just be honest and say that we're all pretty selfish most of the time? I, I, at least I think I, I, think I am. Like, I, I like my way. I, I like doing the things that I want to do. I, I like to go out to eat where I want to go out to eat. I, I, I want to make the decisions that I want to make. And I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm alone on an island here. I'm sure that none of you are like that. <laughs> right? Isn't that the way? I mean, most of us are that way, right? And we're that way because we have what, what's inside of us when we're born is we are born into sin, into a sin nature, into a selfishness that is ultimately we want to chase our own desires, which is why we need a savior because he needs to counteract what is naturally in us. We need him. And so what we need to do is we need God's help to say, God, I wanna live my life out of what I can give rather than what I can get and I need your help to do that. And so then I was thinking this week about about this a little deeper and something's been striking me 
uh, pretty heavily over the last few weeks. And in my men's group, by the way, if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Can I pastorally just ask you to, to make the decision to find out a small group to get into and get into a small group? Because this, my men's group, uh, there's been two things over the last couple of weeks that God has used to really strike me in my soul uh, in a really good way. And so, but we were reading through, we're reading through the book of Romans and uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, talks about this thing. Uh, uh, and then what's the thing I've been pondering is this idea of a living sacrifice. And I'll bring it up. It's from Romans chapter 12, verse one. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I underline that. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, this verse oftentimes is used to, in reference to caring for these bodies, these temples that God has given to us because they're only to us on loan, right? We're gonna have to give them back to God at some point. And, and I do think that that's uh, the, a good context of this scripture, but, but I actually think it's much broader than that. And this is the thing that I've been really wrestling with and considering this the last couple of weeks, folks. If we are a follower of Jesus, if we are a follower of Jesus, we are a living, we are supposed to be a living, breathing, walking sacrifice. Think about that. We are to be a walking, breathing, living sacrifice, which means if we are actually doing it right, we will never be comfortable. I don't live up to that. I'm guessing none of you in the room, but this, see, this is what we're supposed to, to shoot for is this idea of a breathing, living sacrifice. And so, go back to our sub point here of what we can give and what, that rather than what we can get. This one is what we're really supposed to do. Now, if we go back to the story, right? The, uh, the son kind of figured it out at the end, didn't he? He figured it out at the end, right? Verse 19 says, I am no longer worthy to be called your servant. Make me, or your son, make me like one of your hired servants. And so what did he realize? He started to realize, hey, I can give something. I can give something. It's not just about what I can get. I can, I can give. And can I just tell you, that was the start of the process of less ripples and reconciliation between him and his dad. Oh, this is not even my notes. I'm gonna pull a, pull a Betsy and say, this one's free for you, right here. Folks, can I urge you that if you have some ripples with somebody relationally in this life, maybe there's something you're trying to figure out what you can still get rather than give. Think about that. May not be the case, but it could be the case something to think about. But that was the start of the son's good decision-making to say, hey, you know what? I now have something I can give. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. I think if we can figure out how more regularly to, to give rather than what we get, and I'm, I'm not preaching this this morning saying, hey, you, you, you. Folks, I'm thinking, this is me. This is not something that I do very well. I, I often can really just live in the get camp, and we need to figure out what we can give. I think it would have made less ripples for the sun. I think it will make less ripples for us if we can figure that out. So that's the first thing. Second thing then uh, that the son sh uh, could have done differently, and uh, you can take a note, you can write this down as, uh, this one's a pretty practical one, is slow things down. Slow things down. Uh, I noticed in the text as I was studying this week in verse 13, it says, and I underline this, not long after that, 
the younger son, got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And so I, I was really pondering that not long after that. And, um, and so basically in my mind as I was replaying the story, so basically the son offended his dad and then he decided, okay, I'm gonna go on a cruise. Offended his dad and he went on a cruise. Folks, generally, and, and you could get this, I think this makes sense to most of us, right? Generally, a fast pace, a speed in decision-making doesn't help us. It doesn't help us. It's because where things can get really messy and things can get messed up because we, we don't look at everything from every angle. We, we miss this part of the story. We don't really know what that person's thinking, all those kind of things. And, and things get missed and things can get messy and speed is generally not our friend. And so honestly, this is uh, something that I am not good at, uh, slowing down. I know some of you are so shocked by it. Matt, slow down, right? I'm not super great at slowing down. Um, I often call myself an instant reactor or a fixer. Um, and so uh, if there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it, right? No. Yeah, right there. I knew, that. I, knew I was going to get somebody on that one, Doug. But, but if, there, you know, if there really is a problem, right, so there's, there's something to walk through, a decision to be made, oftentimes what I will do is I will jump on the first decision that kind of makes sense and just run with that. And sometimes that can really put me in a worse situation than if I would have just slowed down a little bit and pondered everything and really got some counsel. Which leads me to the next verse. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. And so this verse doesn't suggest a, a decisional speed to me, right? Uh, this, if you had to get quote unquote many advisors, it would take time, right? Many advisors, Guess what the prodigal son didn't do any of? He didn't ask anybody. He just made a decision. Ultimately, and you can, I don't have this on the screen for you, but you can write this down. I, I thought this was, uh, it was just kind of ringing in my ear this week. A slower pace takes us to a better place. A slower pace takes us to a better place. Folks, that is true. And that is a lesson I need to learn. Matt Porman needs to learn that. I need to make sure that I'm slow enough that I can make, get to a better place. I want to be into a better place, not, not a, just an okay place. I was thinking in that regard, Lee and I, in most of our marriage, we've had kind of this uh, general rule that when we would make large purchases uh, for our life, you know, like uh, cars or uh, furniture or a house or those kind of things, that uh, first thing that we would, uh, one, shop around, right? We don't go to one store. We take time and we walk around and we figure stuff out to the point where I'm like, okay, this is the 17th furniture store, you know, that kind of stuff. But we would take the time. We were committed to taking the time to, because we want to make fi wise financial decisions to take the time to shop around. But then the other thing that we decided to do, and we haven't had to do this for a little while, but we would uh, make sure that when we decided on something that we would take, a, take the evening and night and we would sleep on it. And we would say, we're not going to buy that today, even though we really want to just go and like pay for it. We're going to take the night. We're going to sleep on it. And when I was thinking about that this week, I don't think, now we, ma we made some stupid decisions uh, financially in our lives, but I will tell you the stupid decisions were because it's when we didn't wait and we actually paid for it right there. But not once, I don't think we have made a once where we waited where that we regretted that decision. Not once. There's something about slowing down that helps us in decision-making. Now, some of you already know that that is so much more Leah than it is me, right? But I'm so appreciative of that. 
I think it would help the prodigal son. Uh, I think it would uh, help us. I think it, uh, sometimes it would help us from uh, simple decisions, right, that don't have a whole lot of consequence, but it could help us from those. Remember when I mentioned those consequential decisions earlier, right? Like, so maybe it would, if you slowed down, you wouldn't say yes to one more drink. If you slowed down, you wouldn't click on that thing on the internet. If you slowed down, you wouldn't cross the line with somebody of the opposite sex and so on and so on and so on if we just would slow down. It's good to slow things down. So that's the second thing. Final thing then. So what the prodigal son should have done, maybe we can, we can learn from it and maybe we can do to make better decisions. And this last one is be consistently calm. Be consistently calm. I noticed uh, in the story, again, this is verse 13 that we just looked at, but it's the end of it this time. It says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And I underlined that wild living. And uh, I looked it up this week and that word wild living is, uh, it'll come up on the screen. It means actually in the original language, it means lacking restraint and riotous. And of course, for the prodigal son that fleshed out in uh, not showing restraint and frivolous spending and drinking and promiscuity and all of those kind of things. And maybe that's something that you are lacking restraint in today as well. That may be your reality. But as I was pondering it for me this week, that the way that it fleshes out for me uh, is much more in that second word, which is that, that word riotous. A lack of calm and wild, I get wild, I would say, sometimes with my frustration and anger which then it leads me to poor decisions and I say something stupid that then ultimately I regret later, right? Anyone else make poor decisions when you're angry? Is it even possible to make good decisions when we're angry? I'd actually argue, I don't think that it is because of this scripture, Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Essentially, this is saying foolishness is gonna come. We will make stupid and bad decisions if we consistently lack calm in our lives and we get, give in to the wild of frustration and anger. What we're gonna do, folks, is we're just gonna pull it in. We're just gonna pull that in. And many of you already know this, but again, this is not something that I have been super great at. Again, made progress in this, but I, I can have, I can ultimately sometimes just have a quick fuse and, and I can pull this foolishness, these bad decisions into my life. I was actually thinking even this last week, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was kind of bringing up some things uh, to me that weren't going so well. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when that happens, I, I can go really well in the conversation, but ultimately, uh, sometimes I can just default to frustration and defense. And so that's where, my, that's where I went. I went into frustration and defense. And I started to realize at mid-conversation, and so I tried, to, I tried to change my tone in the conversation. I think we ended up in a, a great place. But folks, uh, what, I, what I realized that when I started to replay that conversation in my life, I was like, man, I want to get better. I want to be better than even in the middle of a conversation. I don't even want to get into the midst of it because I don't want to, I don't want to pull, I don't want to pull foolishness into my life. I don't want to pull foolishness into Leah and into my kids. I don't want to pull foolishness into this church. No, I want good decisions in my life. And so it means I've got to get better at this. And ultimately, what, uh, what's in Ephesians 4.29, which says, do not let an unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful man, I would love to only say what is helpful. I need to p 
ponder before I proceed so that I don't default to riotous. I'm not angry. Because I, when, I, when I was thinking, if, if go back to the prodigal son, when I was thinking about him, the lack of restraint, right, for the prodigal son was at the core, really, of why he decided and, and had the path that he had. And folks, for us, our, our life, if we're a follower of Jesus, our life is not meant for wild living. You know what our life is meant for? Our life is meant for much more restraint. Super fun sounding, isn't it? And I know that this is sometimes why people say, ah, I don't want to know Jesus. I don't want Jesus because he's going to tell me all the things that I can't do. And sometimes you're like, no, there's a lot of freedom in Christ. And that's really true too. But folks, sometimes it is. It's the reality of like, yeah, don't do that. And the reason he's saying don't do that is not because he wants to just go, ha, 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 I'm going to be, you're going to be my little puppets, right? It's because he doesn't want us to end up like the prodigal son and in a place of desperation where we're going to be willing, willing to eat pig slop, how many of you have been in a place where you're eating pig slop in your life? I've been in those places. So it says in Matthew 16, 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. See, our life is much more about denial. And folks, as the worship team comes to get ready to go into our final worship, folks, that right there, uh, as I was preparing this week, that right there could be the nugget that one of somebody, I felt into my spirit that there was gonna be for somebody today, that is the best nugget you could take from this message. Is that you can identify something in your life that you need to show restraint in and you need to go after it and show restraint like nothing else in that thing. And that could be the thing that could give you the most life in your life. And it could be the thing that starts you on a trajectory like the prodigal son on good decision making and ultimately make better decisions and ultimately be in a place where you can, you can have reconciliation and peace like you've never had. And so don't discard that, discard that this morning. If there's somebody here, if you're watching online this morning and, and ultimately that might be your thing that you just need to give some restraint to that thing in your life, go after it when you leave here. Go after and see what God will do. He will come alongside you and he will help you in the midst of that if you give it to him. So to recap this morning, figure out what we can give rather than get, slow things down, be consistently calm. That will help us ponder before we proceed. And folks, we will make better decisions. You will make better decisions. I will make better decisions. We will make better church decisions. And that will help us be more of what God wants us to be. Which I know many of you want. And I want that for you too. Thanks for joining us this week. We pray that you are challenged and blessed by this message and that you find application for it in your life as God leads you through this week. For more information about us, please visit our website at cornerstonevineyard.church.